Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Real Abhinav Audio Experience. I just want to let you know, even if you don't finish this episode, that I have tremendous amount of love for you and I wish nothing but good things to come for you this year. Even though we're going through a crazy crisis globally, I know that it's going to get better and I know deep inside you do too, which is why you're here. In this episode, we're going to talk to Scott Frost, someone I've known since I was 14 years old. And he's been a huge mentor to me in my early development in life. I'm going to talk to Scott about social media marketing and the common misconceptions and why people fail. I'm also going to ask him about his principles in life around relationships, financials, and spiritual fulfillment. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you rocking the Adidas hat and uh, coming on uh, my podcast, man. I've, I've known you for since 2006, so it's been over... Yeah, it's been almost yeah 15 years roughly, but um, you know throughout the years, Scott, I, I want to start this conversation by letting you know like you were one of the few individuals who really helped set a very high standard when it comes to achieving excellence in life at an early age. When I was uh, you know getting into drumming, you were one of the best drummers that we had in school, and I always looked up to how you did things and how you led. You were a leader at the time, and I aspired to be like you. And, uh, you know, also Thanks, in fitness, man. same thing, because you, you kind of pushed me towards that. And something that you might not know, like both of those things, even till today, like are sort of my staples to ground myself and come back to like feeling good again, because inevitably life comes at you in different ways and, and uh, it throws you in a spiral, you know, external factors. And having that sort of internal way of like processing by, you know, whether going to play drums for 10, 15 minutes or like you're going and having a little workout to change your state, like those things that you, you help kind of guide me through in an early age have really like stuck with me even up until today. And, and I just had to kind of tell you that. I don't know if you know. That's awesome, man. No, I I, I had no idea. (laughs) That's, that is brilliant. I love that. I mean, I, yeah, if I can leave something for anyone, I I will certainly try it. But that's fantastic, man. And honestly, same here, dude. Like I just saw you kind of take it and run. You, you sprinted. You're like, you know what? I'm going to do this fitness thing a hundred million percent and I'm going to go so hard and just master this thing. And I just thought that was so cool. And just so you know, I was also sort of rooting you on, on the, on the side and just saw you just say, here's my goal. I'm going to set it. I did it. What's my next thing. And what was my next challenge and just moving that bar where you wanted to orient yourself. I thought that was super cool and it didn't go unnoticed for sure on my side, but Thanks, just man. so you know, that one. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. that. Hey guys, I just wanted to step in here real quick and let you know that we also have this full conversation live on YouTube where you can see the video of both of us talking. I tend to feel like video captures a little bit more human emotion and you get to really see what someone's reaction was to a statement. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to YouTube and search for Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to this episode. For my audience, I would love just, you know, everybody does like sort of the, the canned bio. If you could just give me a quick insight into, you know, Scott, who, who you are and what you do today. And we'll start with that. For sure. So without getting too, too far back, I uh, grew up in Orange County. I uh, went to school down in San Diego, studied marketing uh, and advertising, integrated marketing communications at San Diego State, is what they called it. And uh, then I moved up to L.A., started in the ad agency world. I uh, did that for a few years. I did a quick stint in sales. So I was doing media ad tech sales for yeah. a second. And then I moved over back into the agency to actually sit in house at Adidas. And there I was overseeing all of our US paid social ad spend for all of our business units across the brand. 
um, originals, running, training, women's, everything else. Um, and then more recently, I moved back down, relocated to LA to start a team down here, still with the brand, overseeing all of our social digital efforts, really local to Los Angeles. So I've been with the brand for about five years now. But um, so, yeah, and I think in terms of hobbies, uh, you know, love, love, as you said, drumming, fitness are definitely some staples for me. Snowboarding I picked up along the way. Um, and also just finding time to give back here and there. But yeah, I think it was in terms of a professional craft, it's always been the digital marketing space uh, heavily and then kind of branching out and doing some things from there. But that's the quick, quick rundown. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to dig into that a little bit about the digital marketing piece. Like in your experience, you've been doing this for a little while now, and especially for a huge brand, big German shoe company like Adidas. Um, I'm curious what has been sort of your learnings, what are the most common misunderstandings that people have when it comes to the digital marketing space? Because everybody right now with a phone thinks that they can be a marketer on social media and run an yeah. ad agency by by running post ads and stuff like that. But I'd be curious from a professional like yourself or working for a brand that's actually well known worldwide, you know, what are some of the misunderstandings that you think people kind of look at your profession as or probably, you know, ask you around the streets? <laughs> I think there's a lot of ways you could tackle that question. I think the first, first and foremost, though, those who aren't really ingrained in the professional world of what marketing is, it is a huge umbrella encompassing of a tremendous amount of things that I think people sort of pick one and say, I do marketing. Yeah. So they might say, I, uh, you know, I do marketing at X company. It's like, well, what do you do? I do events. Oh, well, that's just one thing. You've got maybe 15 things that falls under marketing, right? So it's everything from the communications planning to the strategy to consumer insights to all of the digital channels and even that's its own little umbrella you've got search email affiliate social everything else under that you've got your events you have retail you have consumer experience you have your crm management so all of these things are really what marketing is um i would say the big thinkers are probably obviously like the netflixes of the world who really try to drive culture through their marketing but I would say from a broad sense, I think that's a misconstrued thing that a lot of people kind of throw that word out pretty loosely, but there's actually quite tight definitions between each one. And there's massive teams, even at a brand like Adidas that tackle each of those things individually. Um, so yeah, so I'd probably say that's the first one. Um, second one, I would probably say in terms of the digital and social space specifically, people tend to think, oh, you just run the Adidas LA and NYC channels that you just go take photos and post them, right? And it's like, ah, oh, well, there's a lot of things that come underneath that. So you talk about contractual obligations, you talk about your talent management, you talk about your legalities in terms of like what you're allowed to say as a brand, what you can't say, what you can say. Um, when people are you know, doing things on behalf of your brand. So we have our athletes, we have our influencers, when they're posting things, they're all representing us. So if they say something incorrectly, then that comes back on us and we have to manage that. And so a lot of that has, even even when it's down to the details, I'll give you an example. So if we're ever doing a shoot, let's say production also is included in this. If you're shooting somebody who's a talent and they have a tattoo in their arm, we've had somebody come after us and try to sue us as a brand because we didn't get the rights from the artist who did the tattoo for the person who we were shooting. Wow. So that's, that's how crazy it can get. Uh, but a lot of people don't know like all of those back end logistics and just to get something up and running, like you got to go through the whole blanket approval process. The, the, who your, your talent is has to say yes. We have to say yes. The editors have to say yes. Um, the, the licensing, even for the music, you got to get that cleared through, which is this whole other beast of the thing. And so I only say that because I think it's just more of a fun fact from a lot of people. Yeah, I don't like, think oh, I, do I never thought about that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it uh, when you're doing it for a brand. Uh, publishers are a little bit different. They don't have sort of the backbone because obviously when you're at a big brand, people like to go after you for what you've got. And so yeah, for sure. Smaller, want, everybody wants to get a little piece of that money pie, you know? Ex yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. But uh, honestly, it's uh, it's also, I think, some one of those fields where everybody's trying to figure it out day to day. Is it even even now like it's probably more prevalent than ever now? Well, that's a good um, question. I don't I don't want to interrupt, but maybe you yeah. can tie this into this. What are the most like uh, I guess common reasons why people fail in marketing then? Because of you know you've probably tried a thousand different things and seen some things work, and maybe you can tie that into your into your like misunderstandings topic a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I think. I think what a lot of people don't necessarily tie themselves to and probably take a little bit lesser of an importance to it, if that makes sense, is just frequency and consistency of where your core root value lies. Mm. So what ends up happening a lot of the times is people will put out a message. And I, I think a lot of brand managers do this as well. They'll put out a message and they themselves will start to get bored with it and they'll say, well, don't we need something new now? And it's like, maybe the way that you reflect your value can come through as new, but don't scrap your concept and start from zero mm. and put something else out. And so I've seen that happen time and time again, where even by seasons, it's, you know, springs, so let's take it you half a year, half a year. If you say something one half of the year, you say something next half of the year. Typically, when you have, you know, a media spend amount, let's call it 15 million that you're spending over the first half of the year, your real audience, the universe of people you're reaching is probably around 30%, especially with the frequency of ads that somebody needs to see is around 10 before they actually register or take an action on something. Wow. So it takes, it takes a long time to consistently say what you want them to know about you and what your values are before pivoting and doing something else. So I think if the, the, the brands do it great, right? It's like the Nikes of the world just do it. They've said it for 40 years. Yeah. You know exactly what they're all about. Um, Apple innovation design. That's it. That's what they've been for since Steve Jobs started it. And there's no doubt about it. But that takes a long, long time to do that. And there's also a lot of different research studies that have shown that a lot of marketers try to take the short term view of what's driving performance, which it will. So it looks like this just up and down, up and down, mm -hmm. versus if you take a longer term brand building approach, which won't get you the spike of results now, but it's more of a step ladder that does this. So over right. time, you're kind of over here, but in your short term, those people are kind of still down here. So your growth really happens when you're looking three, five years out and you really know what your brand is and about. And you're consistent you with the messaging and you're not changing it all the time. But how does that yep. translate to some, uh, I know it's really uh, makes sense a lot for like a big brand like Adidas or Nike, but like for people that are trying to be individual <laughs> brands or independent, like sort of, uh, you know, like influencers, I'm curious, you know, even myself, like I've, I've, I've put myself in a bucket in the past where when I was doing bodybuilding, like everything about bodybuilding was like my life because that took up so much of my life after I, you know, stopped doing that. And I started to go into more, you know, technical career advancements. And I started building relationships with people in the business side. I couldn't really like bring that same character there because that aggressive dude in the gym is not the same guy that's going to, you know, help a customer close yeah. a business and, and I'll grow and all that. And so kind of having to pivot that from a personal perspective, I, I think when you say like, oh, I'm getting, when somebody gets, says that I'm getting bored of this, saying the same thing over and over again, I think that just comes down to like, well, what, what are you really looking for as the outcome here? I mean, are you trying to 
be an authority figure or, uh, you know, I'm curious what you would tell someone as an individual who's trying to build their brand on social media, because it's tough for human beings to be so narrowed to one thing and, and be so defined by one or two things. Like, how does somebody kind of navigate that from your sort of professional perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. And honestly, what I would say is that it will take you a longer period of time to really build your substantial base of what your value is if you don't remove that. Because you can always slot that into, I'm going to even call them tactics, but that could be wherever you end up going. But your baseline altruism, let's just say that's your thing, that's going to take a long time to consistently get after. Versus somebody, if their goal is to say, I just need followers right now. Yeah. There's there's things you can jump into to do that. So it's like you can start posting like funny things. It's like the things that people tend to go to. The low-hanging like, fruit that d- just works because it's like right. emotionally easy, cheap. Yeah. Exactly. It's like what what can I get now? Is it funny or can I share it? Yeah. That's kind yeah. of it. And so but sometimes and you know we we come across that ourselves too. It's like, well, if I really wanted this post to go insane, I would just pick some ridiculously arbitrary piece of content that would probably just blow up, but does it align to what we really want people to take away from us? So I think that's the bigger difference, but there's ways you can partner with people to play in those sandboxes that kind of tick that box, but you authentically weave yourself into it. So for example, if you were like, I know this meme account that posts super funny things, but I really just want myself like just a sheer awareness play. If I have something that's bodybuilding related, if you happen to be in that space at that given time, you'd partner with that person and be like, hey, like I have this piece of content for you. Can I get some love like from your channels? And it's, right. it's I, had a, I had a similar friend uh, who was trying to, he still is, I guess, is trying to get into being a streamer in the gaming space. Yeah. And he's his network is really strong. So I would say like, you're as strong as your network is in that sense. So he's got a lot of good high kind of caliber friends that he knows. And I'm like, look, dude, just start streaming with them and their audience will become your audience if they resonate with that baseline value with them. You're not gonna get 100%, but you will get people that you would want over on your side if you're pretty clear about what you're trying to say uh, and who your character is, I mean, in his sense. So it's like, if you're trying to be kind of like that funny commentary dude, but you're not very good at the game, there's somebody for you for that. and I think just in general, it's it's difficult, especially now that the platforms keep wrenching their organic reach algorithms down. You got to pay to play as much as possible. I, you know, when Facebook started, I think that was setting at 70 percent. Now it's at one yeah. percent. You got to pay to get people to see. Right. Instagram's doing the same thing. They're going to keep doing that as like you know things evolve. But that's why it's also really important for the newest platforms to sort of get in front of because they don't have any restrictions on their organic reach because they're growing that and then they monetize it later so even for us i'm like we need to be all over tiktok right now because i was going to ask you about that (laughs) yeah yeah because they're they're not doing that yet and because they haven't really figured out how to monetize that thing quite yet but they also don't have the scale of people that are on the platform quite yet either so you take that ride with them and then you can grow quicker in that sense versus trying to wait it out and you know even now it's like i started the adidas la channel like a year ago and you know, we're at like 36,000 followers, it's fine. But before, if I started that five years ago, we'd probably be at 180, 200,000 easily, just as a perspective, which would probably, you know. So that's probably like my biggest thing I would say at least, but 
honest, if you stay true to yourself and pivot, I think. And it sounds like it's a lot of has to do with your patience, really, because it's not going to happen immediately like it used to in the past. And, you know, like I always have sort of like this, uh, you know, self-doubt about like, man, I, w- I wish I did this then. It would have been so much better. But it's like you got to play with what is available today and how these platforms behave today. If it takes, to, you know, pay to play and if, if you have the money to do that, then go out and do that. And, and if not, then, you know, keep patient and, and working at it, because eventually I think people will find out what you're all about. It's, it's going to take time. You said that stepladder, right? And you look five years down the line. It's the same thing, kind of the principles that I learned from you in exercising or in drumming, right? Like, it's like, it doesn't happen in one day, but you keep practicing, you keep working out, and then all of a sudden you start to build on those slow, 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 you know, and you all, one day you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm this far down the line, you know? And yeah, well, it's it's kind of crazy. I want to bring that up kind of just to highlight a little bit that I something that I admire about you a lot from an early age is, when, when I met you, and I think I remember asking you one time, like, hey, man, how do I get better at drumming, right? And and you told me, okay, let me see how fast your flams are. I'm like, what do you mean? And I did, and I did it, and it was it was not fast, right? But then you showed me how to how to go really fast, and I was just mind-blown. Like, I didn't even think that you could go that fast. And then from that day on, um, you kind of wired me into thinking that, like, wow, I can really be one of the fastest drummers if I chose to be. I just want to get really good at practicing these rudiments. And from that point on, that's all I did is I would practice things until I could play them as fast as I possibly could and make them as clean as I possibly could. And that just automatically set me ahead of everybody else that was trying to, you know, play music or whatever have you. And the same thing I did with uh, with exercising. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be the biggest and I'm definitely not going to be the freakiest, but I'm going to just spend the time Every single day when people are out and out, you know, like 18 years old, people want to go out and party and stuff. I wasn't at bars on the weekends or on Fridays. I was in the gym, you know, getting leg day in and, you know, recovering and resting and eating and all that stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks, months, years. And finally, I, when I, you know, would go out on stage, I felt like yeah, I'd, I'd have nothing, nothing left here. I've left everything on the table, you know. So that's something that I had to point out that you really kind of instilled that in me. It's like, Go towards That's excellence. Awesome. Otherwise, why the fuck are you doing it, right? Like, if, you, yeah. if you're not going to go towards excellence, then you're just cutting yourself short. You're going to find excuses. You're not going to go all out. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how does that mentality for you, how's that translated in, in when you got into marketing? You know, like, what was that journey like for you? And how, how have you kind of stuck through that same mindset through the years? Because marketing can get very old. I'm sure it's like if you do the same thing over and over again, it can get very old. You're like, okay, yeah, we got to do another post with another influencer, talk about the same thing. <laughs> You know, so how do you keep yourself refreshed in that? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. So I, I mean, what I would a couple things. So I think the first thing is that I've always been one to ensure that I can set a goal and a plan against it, it but for short term, right? But then there's also a long term north star to keep yourself oriented. Because hmm. if you don't have that, then you won't necessarily choose the best decisions and opportunities to come your way to really align with what you really want at the end of it. But in order to that stepstone, you kind of got to plan a little bit more short term. So I mean, my life's example, I guess, is for me, I always thought that digital was the future. Like mm. everything will be connected. And I'll take an example of TV ads, right? Back then in 2011 or when I started, I was kind of the one saying, well, in the future, all of those ads you see on TV are going to be plugged in digitally because we're going to have more data on who's living in the household where what are they spending who what are the age brackets all that stuff and it's going to be tailored but that's how they're going to do it you can't do like a one size fits all right now 
that's still far away from now. There's a lot of like tech that has to be developed for that, but it'll come. But for me, I was like, I want that because I know that's sort of future proof to some degree, but also that it changes all the time. So I was like, that's fun. I like to problem solve what's happening with this. And so right now from that, I mean, from that point I said, okay, what will my ultimate job be? Like, what would I want to do? It's like, all right, I think it'd be really fun to be like a chief digital officer. Now that job doesn't really exist at every company out there. There's a few, but I think it's interesting who does have them. And of course it's the most resourced companies because they can kind of get ahead of stuff first. And that's usually what I look towards as well. It's like, all right, like what are the newer things that these guys that have all of that are doing and orienting? So then I was like, okay, what do I need to learn to get there? I'll start in the media space because a lot of things are kind of oriented around media. I think what people are, in, you know, get interested in is like not only from paid, but organic. It's like, how does the PR and editorial world work? How does that work in conjunction with paid? Like, what are all the assets to do that? And usually media is some of the biggest budgets that brands commit to. And I wanted to master that because if you're going to be spending half your money on marketing, but media kind of going back to the pillar thing, I want to make sure I master that and know it well. And so did that for a few years. And then I moved more specific into the social space. And I did that because one, it's not going to go away. We all need to stay connected and no secret that some of the best companies in the world are oriented around that principle mm. of doing so. And it's only been you know, getting bigger since then. So I wanted to make sure that I got a good sense of how that all worked, paid and organic as well. So then when I moved into a more broader digital space, I was like, cool, I got an anchor in media. I know that extremely well. Cool. I got an anchor in social. I know that extremely well. Where else can I start to branch in and plug into? And right at that point, I was more focused on integrations, digital to physical elements and aspects. So whether that's retail stores, whether that's billboards or experiential, what have you, how can we start integrating some of those things into those physical environments? And I still think that's kind of where I like to think about more so, mm-hmm. but so it's almost like those are all little soft skills that are leading up to what I think a chief digital officer would have to know. And I have a few more of those, I think, areas I would probably want to move into as I kind of move forward in my career. But I would say having something, because I've had opportunities come my way and I would just say, would that be something that that position would need to know? And a lot of the times it's no. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that but what, what would it be? So then that's what I started asking myself. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I've sort of structured. pragmatic actually, because you're like, the way I would describe what you're saying is like, you're building your blocks, putting the right pieces in place. So that way, when the opportunity does come, you've already practiced enough and you already know what the space requires or the type of, uh, you know, knowledge that is required for the chief data officer or chief digital officer, right? So it's like, you would have already put all the bricks in place. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know, walk in and have that because it's interesting when you talk about like promotions and things like this in life, it's, you almost always get a job that you're not prepared for, so to speak, as you get promoted, because it's like, okay, you were an employee and now you became a manager, but you were never a manager before. So like you're stepping into bigger shoes than what you, you know, could fit into potentially, but you grow, you hopefully have grown yourself towards that, that it's not such a difficult transition. And it's a very pragmatic approach. And 
And I'm wondering how you're applying that to a couple of other things that I want to know from my personal level because I look up to you. Is like I know you recently got married as well, maybe a year or two ago, and I I, I just got married too in November. I didn't do a huge social blast about it. Thank you. Um, it was a it was <laughs> congrats, a, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. And we've, been, <laughs> we've been in quarantine now for however long, and but we've been living together and and been in the same house more than ever for the last uh, six to seven months. And you know, I'd be curious to kind of hear how you look at you know what makes a relationship successful or healthy you know in your experience kind of if you could share some of that wisdom with me i'd love to know oh yeah it's a great question man i think that's something i try to figure out also daily <laughs> it's always a moving target right you can't always get it quite pinned down yeah um pe- people change dynamics change all the time um but i mean honestly for me it was a lot of the very core principle sound, whether that's spiritual kind of or anchored oriented or just core beliefs, I suppose, that has kept things very like rooted for the two of us. And, you know, you'll go through all kinds of shit. <laughs> like, for sure. Things will go right, things won't. But you'll always kind of come back to like, where's that centerpiece that we built our house on? Like we need to come back there. I think also even being very like outspoken about that is extremely, extremely important and helpful. And I mean, I just personally, anecdotally, so many times I've heard people being like, kind of not the similar question, but they're like, what, I don't know, how do you do this thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and for me, I'm just like, I don't know how open and honest are you? Like, have you asked the questions that are sucky to ask? Like, have you actually talked about this? More often than not, it's like, I kind of touched on it, but not quite and it's like you just gotta set the table and sometimes it's not easy but you better off doing that than waiting and keeping it bottled up until that the top pops off (laughs) and you got a bigger thing to deal with um but yeah and also compromise it's like there's no no one person is really gonna fully get pulled in that way they want to go there's always gonna be something of like yeah okay i'll i'll I'll, fine you get this one it's my my little motto to myself is like i'll take an l every day right it's like okay i love that yeah no but that's a very very good one i want to actually talk about that for a second because one of the things that i posted i think it was yesterday where i was talking about what what is a good day right like we we tend to have a good day and then we get carried away with wow i'm feeling so good if i like can just have days like this every single day i'm gonna i'm gonna be like the king of, of all kings, right? But <laughs> but at the same time, it's such a weird expectation to have where you you think that that's an actual possibility when it's realistically absolutely not because there's so many things in your life that you just don't control beyond maybe your own temperament to a degree and your own physical actions. But there's so many variables out there that you just don't have any control over. So how can you possibly set the expectation that every day I have is going to be like the best day ever because I know what that feels like. So it's like we, we almost become delusional about what we think we could be you know, but it's a subtle point. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't have something that you aim towards, but it's easy to get caught up with like the perfection mindset. And it really came up to me a lot when in my life, when from earlier on where I was trying to like, you know, get good at something. It's like you always try to be perfect at it and you realize you're never going to be. So you can just really try to be as good as it's going to take. So I love that motto. You know, I, I give myself one L every day or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's being realistic, really. Yeah. And, and you're, it's, you know, because everything with ourselves is a negotiation process internally and with our relationships with our spouse or, you know, parents or whatever it is. So, yeah, you, like I'm, I'm hearing compromise and, and patience. And then, you know, of course, 
being honest about the conversation you're having. You're not trying to hide behind like this weird sort of uh, dynamic because those things can then go and spiral out of control. I definitely have seen that and experienced that in my life. So no, I, sure. I really, really think yeah. that's a good point right there. Um, it yeah. Is, and is, I was, go ahead. Yeah. And I was also going to say, I think what I like to remember too is like, if you don't have any bad days, you don't know what a good day is. Yeah. You like, can't have one without the other. Yeah. It's like, it make, it would make no sense to you. And also the things that are tough and you get through, how much more do you find yourself valuing those moments when you're on the other side to say, wow, like that was terrible, but I learned so much and I'm going to, t- and this is going to, this is like betterment for my life. Yes, yes. So I like to take that as well with me. Just yeah. to, you know, helps you appreciate good. the good days, especially the bad ones are the ones that help you appreciate the good ones because otherwise right. you have no contrast. You wouldn't really know when well, the same vein, how do you look at um, sort of like, what is your best, uh, since I asked relationship, I want to know next is obviously financial <laughs> advice and spiritual yeah. advice. You know, like what has been Scott's like motto for those two? I'd be curious to see if you could share some about that. Oh man, I'm sure uh, anyone who knows me well will laugh at the financial one. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm one of those people that people, not frugal to a fault, but I'm definitely very watchful on, on a lot of that stuff. And at the end of the day, for me, I'm not really spending a dollar on it unless I know that one, it's good for like an experience or something I'll remember or that's memorable, right? Like something that will kind of add back to either my core soul mm-hmm. <laughs> or value back on a financial level. So for me, I'm like, I'm not going to buy or lease that new car every year. That makes no sense to me. I'm trying to spend the least amount of money possible to make that last as long as I can. So I can use those additional dollars to put it, you know, pick your favorite ETF here or put a little bit more in your 401k. It's like that dollar you save now will be in the earlier it is, you put it away, will be worth a hundred to 150. I'm not losing it by putting it into depreciating assets. Right. right. So on my point of view, I'm like, is this going to be a depreciating asset for me? I'm going to, yes, I'm spending the least amount of money, humanly possible on this thing to just get by. Um, and then of course I'm big on like the credit card points thing, anywhere I could find additional value thing unlock, I'm doing it. So like I went all in on this thing and I won't get too far into it, but I have every chase card under the sun cause they all <laughs> roll up into ultimate rewards and I yeah. figured out how to transfer them and do all this stuff. But I've saved thousands of dollars on travel doing that. Right. Or this, these stupid, like, you know, Rakuten things. It's like, eh, I'll link my card and get some like a couple bucks back. Like, why not? Right. Or I never buy anything MSRP. There's no reason to. Um, there's plenty of people selling secondhand stuff. And so it, here's a funny example. My wife's like, oh, I really want a Peloton. I'm like, uh, yeah, but like, if you wait, somebody will be selling their old Peloton. <laughs> you could For save sure. 70% on it. Uh, we're in a weird spot now with how everything is happening, but we ended up getting one. But Anyways, it's always the first thing that comes to my head. I'm just kind of like, well, how else can I get this thing done? Not for a face value. Um, so that's what I'd say from a financial side of things. Um, and then from a spiritual side of things, uh, we're both, you know, we're both Christians and we both have uh, went to, you know, go to church all the time. But it was interesting because recently, I guess fairly recently, when I moved up to Portland is really when it started to, to unlock, I would say, 
And it's definitely that very cliche principle, but it's like as much of time and commitment and willingness you want to put into it is really what you'll get out of it as well. And I mean, that's probably just something that is true for so many things across the board. But I really found that to be one of the cases there. So we had a weekly group we met up with. We went on Sundays. We had weekly things that we'd practice and try to do. And some of them were hard, you know, it was like... Even like, yeah, for me, it's like my, I, my brain kind of just keeps, likes to run. And so meditation is like tough. Um, but one thing that's a good practice is like, as a part of that is like silence and like solitude for clarity and just focusing on really like what you end up hearing, whatever that is. And I think just even those times I sit and do that five minutes a day. Right. is helpful. And I was like, wow, I can even see how people can keep elongating this thing. Um, but again, it's just like those small chip away and you'll really see the benefit on the other side of it if you really stay committed to it. Um, but yeah, so I found it really interesting that that principle sort of applies there too. Um, there's no easy way. Is there anything you do daily to kind of revive or affirm that deeper sort of you know spiritual centering in you has that is that a need that you have you think or is sort of like a you know you do it as you need to i think it's definitely i think it's like twofold which is like a cop-out answer a little bit but if i find myself if i do it daily and consistently i tend to be in a better headspace but sometimes the other side of me which is like the little kid side is like man i want to do that yeah you know (laughs) yeah so that'll always kind of creep back in um but then it's just being aware of just knowing when that starts to continuously happen just to know when you sort of just need to reset your dial. Yeah. Um, Cause no one can do anything perfect. The first and you can time. overplay and a strategy. That's a really good point to bring up at this stage, right? Like, cause if you do the totally. same thing, like same thing with dirt gym, right? If you do the same workout every week, you're going to get bored. You're going to be like, I don't really want to do that anymore. Like I want something different. I want something, you know, equally. So the way I kind of describe it is like, you have to, you keep in, you keep your knives sharp, but if you use them often, they're going to get dull. So you have to keep trying to sharpen your knives in different ways, different possible ways. You know, learning different skills that accomplish the same goal. So that way, you have a you know a roster to pick from. You're not just going through the same motions every day and getting bored sure. of it. But then there's the part of me which is like super lazy and comfortable with doing the same thing over and over, which is why somewhat I was getting good at bodybuilding because I didn't mind eating the same thing every day. I did not mind eating bland food day in and day out. <laughs> You know, it sucked. I hated it. I wanted to eat pizza, but I didn't yes. mind, you know, like I looked forward to it. like, okay, at least everything's predefined. It's like the same reason why like uh, somebody like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever wears the same t-shirt because he doesn't want to spend the cycles making that decision every day. It's like, I don't want to spend, if I have to eat six times a day, making a decision what I have to eat, that would be ridiculous. I'd spend all my day figuring out what <laughs> yeah. to eat. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's a very good point, you know, that you bring up there that you have to do something if it helps you. And if it's starting to become more of a burden than, than something that actually helps you, then it Maybe it's time to take a break or switch it up or something. Totally. And then that also helps you sort of master what you're trying to do. Because then you figure out how many ways can I do this one thing, which branches you out. And you kind of have to get a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe I don't use these workout resistance bands because I usually have weights at a gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm starting to, you know, redo things and try to figure that out. But that will give you a new utility belt tool that you can use in the future, you know? This is a very selfish conversation for me because I want to learn more from you. Um, some of the <laughs> things that I struggle with, um, and I'm curious, I want to know how you deal with them and and maybe that can help me. So one of the things that 
that I think me and many folks my age are going through, especially when, because we were like this in-between state of, you know, we grew up with without technology, but then we had a lot of technology growing up as well. Like we were in this in-between transitional phase versus some of the kids today that grew up with like an iPad in their hand as a baby. You know, how do you deal with anxiety when it comes up to you? And like, and I don't know if you know if you really go th- suffer through that much, but that's one of the common things for me. That's why a lot of my content is around anxiety because I like you, my mind will start running like crazy and, and I can start to spiral into all kinds of directions. And, and uh, I'm curious like how you choose to deal with that. And with the same lines, the other questions around judgment is because, you know, when you put, you, you work in marketing, so you know sort of like the impact that, uh, that things have when you put them out because there's human beings at the end of the day that are looking at the screen to interact with this content, you know. But even for you in a personal level, um, how do you deal with like the sort of day-to-day anxieties about life and the future and the unknown and as well as judgment that comes from, you know, kind of trying to be more of an authentic self because I know that you do that for yourself. You try, you try to be as real as you can be. But uh, how does that work for you, like the judgment anxiety? Yeah, for sure. So I, I mean, uh, I think the first I'll talk of the first one uh, initially. So for, for, for I mean, anxiety is something that is so easy now. Like, how many, how many times is your brain stimulated in a given yeah. day? I mean, even from an ad perspective, just with that professional point of view, it's like, I think you're exposed to 250 to 300 ads every day, whether yeah. people you know it or not. And I've actually kind of made note of that one time. And I was like, is that true? And I'm like, man, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Every time you look at anything, there's something there. It's a logo. There's just something. But I think that people try to, or I think what ends up happening, at least for me anyways, is like, if I start to think too much, too big, what am I going to do for the rest of the year? And what is this going to look like? And how am I going to get there? And like, just this snowball effect of questions Mm. ends up not necessarily being helpful. Because to the earlier point, you can only control what you have today. That's why they call it the present, right? And so if you break it down and start to make your building blocks, it's almost like the same pragmatic approach, I suppose, of how I kind of think about my career. But even on a day-to-day, it's like, what do I need to do today? Let's not figure out tomorrow yet. I'm not there. I'm not ready. But what does that have to be? Do I have to take, you know, I need my 15-minute quick little like meditation session. I need my 30-minute workout, whatever it is. And I think it starts physically. Like for me, I, th- I think just getting doing an action sort of resets where my mental state goes. Mm. So even if it's just like, I'm gonna take five and go on a walk and just breathe in for four seconds and breathe out for four seconds. Starting that tends to just slow the RPMs a little bit, but that gives you a little bit more of like, oh, right, I need to remember that cue that whatever that works for, you know, everybody is different. But for me, it's just like, this is the thing today. Because if the more you can break things up in chunks, the easier it is to get through, right? It's like, that's how usually big projects happen. It's like, this is going to be a two year long project, but I'm breaking this down in quarters. Like, I don't even care about the output at the end right now. I just care about what I need to do in this quarter. How is that going to happen? So I tend to try to like distill it down as much as I can. And like, yes, you want to formulate plans, but that's like, for me, that's like anxiety alarm bell kind of action. <laughs> yeah. um, but after you kind of get through that is more of like, okay, now let me reapproach what my plan needs to be. And then I'll sort of massage things from there and be like, okay, here's my new timeline for this. And I want to get this done by that time and kind of break it down that way. Um, 
So I would say that's probably my my take on it's a good point about anxiety point. because like your brain can always think way bigger and way far out into the future than you can possibly do in one day like action wise right it's impossible you can't complete enough things in 24 hours that your brain can think of you can do right so it's like you get we always constantly get ahead of ourselves in in terms of what we think we could be doing and should be doing but a lot of that is uh, you know and I'd be curious how do you do that where if if you're not able to get to the physical action part are there anything maybe it's a prayer that you say or maybe are there for me personally like I'll share mine for me it's it's questioning my internal sort of questions themselves like who who is it that wants to you know accomplish all these goals and get to this place and what is that person looking to get can can that actually be done is it true you know I call it introspection or you know dissecting your own uh, questioner right like who who is inside of you that's asking that question and all of a sudden you can kind of return back to that place of silence where you're like yeah it's just it's, there's nobody it's just they're all ideas they're just coming and going like mm-hmm. passing clouds and that for me to do that is more of just I can sit on the couch and do that because like you right that the little voice sometimes comes in and you're like ah, I don't want to go and sit and meditate I don't want to go for a walk <laughs> I don't want to go work out I feel I don't I feel like shit I don't want to do anything I just want to yeah, get yeah. out of this state so for yeah. me in that sense what works best is you know like just say thank you to whatever's happening. It's like, you know, even though this sucks, I'm thankful this is happening to me because it's here for me to learn something from. And this is going to, this is going to make, make itself better eventually. And I just got to embrace it. Like going back to the earlier point, you wouldn't know what a good time is unless you've had a bad time. You wouldn't know what a peaceful moment it is unless you've had a crazy anxious filled moment. You know, it's like, they're the, my friend says, you know, love the asshole that you are. Like, it's like, it is, it is what it is. You know, like sometimes we react where we were like, okay, I wish I didn't say it like that. Or I wish I didn't react that way, but it happened. Are you going to still beat yourself up for it about, you know, days after that? No, just change your actions moving forward. And that's really what you can do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, back to the spiritual side of things. It's like, who, what what do I put my trust in? You know? And it's like, who, and who, who do I know who's there for me? I think a lot of people kind of forget that, you know, it's not just them even, it's everyone who you talk to or interact with on a daily basis, yeah. colleagues, whatever. And especially that stuff that comes comes through and they can usually tell, uh, And I mean, at times it's like, yeah. So I mean, to me, it's, you, you nailed it. And I, for me, it's like the grateful heart, I think is totally huge. And I also like to position myself too, to say I have a point of purpose of servitude to others. It's not even about me on this planet. It's like, how can I just serve those around me to maybe make their lives a little easier? And for work even, it's like, how can I do my job better for you? Like, can I help in that sense and alleviate whatever stresses come to mind? Because then it kind of takes it off of what I think about to me. It's like, well, that doesn't really matter. (laughs) It's about where I need to go for the other people in any capacity. And that's family, friend related, whatever. Um, Does that help you find meaning in life that way when you do that? Is that sort of how you define a meaningful life is is by being, um, you know, serving others and, and doing things where it's more of like, hey, you know, I'm doing this to make humanity around me. Because, you know, you always think global, but you can only really act local. So it's like you're trying to make people around you, you know, resemble with that good energy, the positivity that you have, sort of like your strengths, you know, play them out. Is that, is that how you think you would say you define meaning in your life? I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, because even you've probably felt this yourself, if you've ever gone and volunteered or done something, 
when you walk away from that moment, you're just like, that was great. Yeah. Like, it just right. kind of feels like something escaped and like, you're just more Zen <laughs> for, yeah, for, for sure. whatever for reason. Sure. So even microly, uh, just kind of taking that little point of attitude. Um, and of course, you know, things you get, you get flustered and things kind of bubble up and you get a little upset and stuff. But, um, that perspective is just more of, you know, kind of how I like to reset a lot of the times as well. Um, and then I didn't really go to the judgment. I was going to ask piece. you about it again. Yeah. yeah. So how do you yeah. deal with judgment? Like, and, and, uh, you know, when that comes up, you know, what is your sort of process to dissect that? Yeah. I mean, from a personal point of view, um, you never know at any point in time what that person's going through as dealt with even that day. Like yeah. if somebody kind of gives you a short, you know, not very friendly tone when you're going to get your Starbucks or whatever, maybe they had a fight that morning, or maybe they're going through some deep family stuff. Like I'm, I always give like the benefit of the doubt of whatever a person's action is towards me could be something effective that you would not know unless you sat down and had a chat with that person, right. which you don't get the opportunity to do that. But I think that probably more often than not, that happens, but we tend to just act on what we immediately feel, which can be not the best way to approach whatever you're kind of getting thrown at you. Right. right. And so I would say in terms of others affect to me, I, it takes a lot to be honest, to like really get me going or upset or riled. Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even tell you a good example of what that would be. What about self-judgment? Like if you, do you yeah. go through that, like in your own head where you're trying to, you know, achieve goals and, and I know this, I'm sure you know this, goals are never linear in their approach. You know, you always, you two steps forward, sometimes 19 steps backwards and you're like, well, shit, I got to start all over again. But you know, but yeah. what about that sort of, because whenever we set up an ideal, it's, 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 it's going to happen where that ideal gets, you know, thrown under the ground or under the bus, whatever, something comes up where it's like, that doesn't really make you know sense. So do you go through any of like self-judgment or self-doubt? Maybe that's a better word to put out. Um, and, and maybe yeah. how you deal with those. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, honestly, I think going back to core principle fundamentals of like, if I'm going to do something, even if it's like cleaning the dishes at that moment in time, I'm like, I'm gonna clean every speck out of this thing. And I'm going to clean that sink too. And I'm going to do all this other stuff. Like, I, I think that just my, my mental state has always just been to that same kind of point where it's like, if I'm going to do whatever it is, I'm going to do whatever it is to 110%. Because yeah, why do it if you're not going to do it? Fucking do it. Where do you think that comes from, Scott? Where, like, is that part of your growing up? Was that something that you took from your parents? Or how do you think that kind of got instilled in you? I think that's a good question. I would, I would say, I think that my parents did a good job of not forcing me, but like walking me through on how you, in a way where you kind of have to have that to make yourself move forward or at least the illusionment of it mm. because, and I'll give you an example now. So it's like freshman year college, right? It's like, okay, you got loans, like maybe your parents are helping you out a little bit. You don't really have to worry about anything. But sophomore year comes around and they go, you know what? We're not going to pay your rent anymore. We're not going to pay this anymore. Go figure it out. And when you have to go figure it out, you have to kind of give your 110% or else you're not going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to take all those different angles and approaches and 
whatever creative solutions you can come up with to make what you kind of want happen in those parameters that you're given. It's almost like going back to some creative brainstorming best happens when you set the parameters up. Like you'll definitely get better results that way than if somebody says, give me an idea. You usually won't get one. But if you said, give me the idea around this point in time, around this moment, and you have these constraints, that's really when you start to unlock really creative problem solving tools. And so I would say like, I've just been positioned in that way because by the time junior year rolled around, they're like, we're done, go figure it out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go figure it out. Right, right. And so, and so, yeah. And like, I mean, at that point in time, like, for, you know, of course all the pressures that each you get, it's like, you gotta have your internship, you gotta have your job, you gotta have your full-time gig. And like at the time I was like president of my fraternity and there was just like so many things happening and you kind of had to give it all as much as you could to all of those things to know, like that would get you to wherever your next foot forward would be. Um, so I would probably bank it to that more than anything else. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I usually say like, you know what, I gave what I had and that's cool. Didn't work. Oh, well, we'll go to the next one. Try to try it again. Um, and I know it's easier said than done a lot of times. And of course I got my moments where I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm actually gonna, ah, that's, it feels terrible. But if I give myself, you know, a little time to like, it's okay to sit in it. Like that's healthy. That's normal. Just know that it's, it's something that can pass and you can do something about it. Like to the point going back to like, you can only really affect like what you're actually physically doing. Go take that step. And I say that figuratively, maybe you write your thing or you do this other thing. If you write or write a book, you don't write the whole thing. You outline first, right, you right. start jotting things down. Start with um, what you can, right? Do the smallest thing can. that you can to move in that direction. You know, this is something I talked to a few other people about that like our brain tries to rationalize our, our actions and, and especially if, if you're a little bit smart, you know, or halfway decent smart, you tend to get sort of cut by your own sharp knife of intellect because you're too smart for your own good. It's like, well, I won't do this because I know that if I'm just doing this little thing is not going to really make that big of a difference. But the reality is every small thing you do that is moving you towards that goal is actually building, you know, like in the brick model, you're put, laying down bricks that are eventually going to be your house, right? It's like, that's, that's true. But we don't look at it because there's like a bias towards it sometimes when we're too conditioned to believe like, okay, only bigger sort of outcomes matter and not the little, little ones. And we don't tend to do the smaller steps. You know, that was one of the things that I was uh, kind of learning when I was working out a lot is like, yeah, you, you can work out all day you want in the gym, but if your diet's not on point, if you're not resting and recovering, it doesn't work. It's like those things that you don't actually see or hear people talk about those are the things that actually make the biggest difference because you're in the gym only for an hour, but you're outside of that, you know, for 23. So what do you do with those is really where it, you know, yeah. came down to. So for sure. And yeah, and there's an awesome book. Um, if you haven't checked it out, it's called thinking fast and slow oh, by Daniel Kinnaman. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a Nobel like prize winning economist, but he really, he did this fascinating, huge project that was really more around psychological and how your brain actually works. And the really top line breakdown is there's two, there's two parts of your brain side one side two. one is like your fast thinking and one's your slow thinking. But the things that we tend to do and like biases that come out and even things that we don't think affect us, but subconsciously will come out of your fast brain thinking because your brain tends to want to be lazy. Mm. And that's usually where you start drawing those connection points and trying to solve those issues. But to your point right now, 
justifying why you wouldn't do that thing because you're like, oh, I already know blah, 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 this is going to happen. But if you took a second and like really thought about it, you'd be like, okay, wait, actually, this would make sense. Here's how I'm going to, here's how, why, whatever the case is. But um, it's an awesome read. It's referred to in a few different like materials out there. But yeah, check it out. That's a good segue for me to ask, like, who does Scott look up to? What do you, what do you like kind of, who are your inspirational, you know, people, people that you kind of, you know, orient yourself towards what, what is it that you look for, uh, towards motivation and things like that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say it kind of broads the spectrum a, a, a bit. There's different, I think, attributes of people who sort of have those finite things that I would like to look up for, for what they're good at. So, I mean, I would say, I mean, like for family reasons and like how my dad sort of raised me and my mom, I'd probably look to them for that because I think they did a very smart job with how they did it with, mm. with me. So, and it kind of how like they approach like life in that sense. I think that's, it's something really, really awesome. Um, professionally, uh, I, one of my, one of my best mentors, his name's Chris Murphy. He works over at Adidas right now. Um, but he's such an awesome leader. There's, there's no one that has probably worked for him that probably has anything really too negative to say <laughs> if he checks this thing. out maybe he'll call me out on that <laughs> who knows um but i mean i think just like from a leadership standpoint and like how he's consistently and always has been open and always just receptive and how do we just keep moving things forward and also just knowing that like the more i go through life and professionally or personally whatever it is the more i realize i don't know but that gives you permission to lean on those experts that do know. So it's like, you don't always have to know the answer, but if you know where to get it, you might as well have the answer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So you're, you're only as strong as your network in that sense. Um, and then spiritually, uh, the pastor at our old church, uh, from Bridgetown, his name's John Mark. He's awesome. He's like a very intellectual guy. Like he likes to read into all the different translations and history, history studying to know the context of what's being said and blah, blah, blah. And that's just very analytical driven Mm -hmm. in terms of how you'd approach that. But I appreciate that because that's how I approach a lot of things from my side, probably as you could tell very pragmatically, very numbers driven, like, all right, like how are we going to paint the picture point this out? Um, So I would say those are probably like the three spectrums and those are the people that are kind of elevated to where I look up to on those different facets for sure. I feel like yeah. I could I could talk to you for forever, but we're coming to the end of our time here. And I think my last question yeah. to you really is, you know, how, how do you want to be remembered? You know, when you leave this planet, what do, what do you, what kind of legacy or, you know, what would you like to leave behind when people think about Scott? I know I can share what I think about you, and but I'd be curious, you know, how do you look at yourself uh, as Ooh. the character, as Scott? And what would, I know it's, it, we're, we still have plenty of life to live. We're, we're not super old yet. So it's like, we still got yeah. a lot to do, but... Yeah. We're always sort of dreaming. So, you know, what do you think that is for you? That's an awesome question. I love this question. Uh, and it's, it's honestly, it's like hard for me to, to say, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I don't know, hopefully that people who kind of cross my way probably got a sense of optimism and fun. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't like to take things too seriously and I don't think life should be that serious because you wouldn't have fun doing it. if You weren't having fun with it. So um, I'd I like probably that. say, Oh, hopefully uh somebody you take that away um and just caring i you know i care a lot about people and and things and just making sure people are 
that I know are taken care of and I can help and I guess helpfulness too. And just yeah. uh, I'm always, always willing to jump in and lend a hand and kind of going back to the servitude thing. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Like, let's make use of it. If, if I can, <laughs> I'll try. One um, more question comes to my mind. I have to ask it. Yeah. It's a very deep yeah. philosophical question, but it's, it's, you know, what is, what do you believe, you know, we're all here to do right now in, in, in our life? In existence why do you think human beings are on this planet not anywhere else and what makes you sort of comfort or what kind of answer makes your mind you know at ease about existence and sort of the existential part of life and sometimes that's a crisis for most and you know yeah. what has that been for you that's interesting it's like philosophy 101 man let's do it um so it's gonna be an hour-long uh, yeah. conversation of just yeah. that question <laughs> yeah. you know I, just, I don't know uh, why i ask it at two. the end <laughs> Um, I, no, I think my quick answer would be, I think that treating everyone as your sense of community and human relationships are so, so, so important that I think it really keeps people grounded and purpose driven in their own sense. And just having people around you that you love and care about and want to be there for. I think is probably the number one driver for most of our motivations of anything. But I think people kind of forget that we're all, you know, we all have differences for sure. But at the end of the day, I think is most more often than not, if you sit down with someone, even if you hated him for so long and you just start talking real things yeah. and not deeper things, right. Not kind of, state of the union or what's going on surface level right now or what's so-and-so going to do about this thing because none of us can really control much of that you can only control how you feel about how you want to connect yes. with those others you know and so i always kind of challenge people to do that too it's like find someone that maybe you had beef with or something like 10 years ago and just ask them how they're doing you had no idea how many people would be like wow like he they care and they care about me and what I'm doing here. I think if more people sort of take that sense of things and, you know, like brotherly, sisterly love sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> um, no, it'd be helpful. That's very, very good. Has there been anything that is still in your mind that you think is worth sharing before we end our conversation that you think could be of value to someone or if anything at all, or if there's anything you want to ask me, whatever, you know, way you want to take it? Sure. Um, I got my first thing I think I would say is that a lot of people I have found are not timid, but they're a little bit skeptical to sort of put their opinion and open heart on the table to really be discussed, or maybe they don't think their thoughts are worth anything or it's not worth it. But what I would say is that at any given point, whether whatever room you're in, personally, professionally, doesn't matter. You're there for a reason. So you should give your stance and your personal point of view on whatever it is, you know, in a confident sense, because that's why you're there. <laughs> and that's why you're human, because we're different and we have different perspectives and different stories and different things we've learned along the way. And the different perspectives that people can take, be confident in that. And, yeah. and just go ahead and put that put that out there and put your cards on the table. And there's never been a time where I would say that's ever backfired or somebody hasn't appreciated it. And when I just kind of, you know, 
put it out there for I everyone. I think that's what so, makes each person unique is their ability to be in culture, absorb all the data that's here, and then be able to formulate their ideas, articulate them. And that is what essentially makes you your unique self, right? It's like nobody else could potentially put those dots together the way you in that state, you know, did or, or have, you know, like, I think that's really like a very, very good point you're making is like, well, when it comes to being unique, a lot of people are like, how do I set, set apart from other people? It's like, it's really not that difficult if you just really be yourself and, you know, not be judgmental, which I do a lot and, 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 you know, be anxiety filled and not be able to get over that yeah. to, to then do, go out and do it. Uh, you know, a lot of yeah. really good points in this conversation, man. I, I can't even, yeah. usually it's funny <laughs> when, I, when I get on a conversation or a podcast, it's like, you know, you get the sense of like, uh, as I've been doing these, like where I want to talk and I want to kind of share what I know, but I've been really trying to reverse that and be just like, I want to listen. I want to really hear what people are, are doing and what they have to say and see what I can learn from them. And this was definitely one of those conversations, you know, and I'll end it with saying that like, awesome. you're one of the few, few people that, uh, is, is, it's, and it might sound creepy to say, but dude, I have had you in the back of my mind for, for a long, long time, even after we, you know, awesome. you were out of high school and, and, you know, years after that. And I always kind of, you know, was inspired by how you did things. And it's always the subtle things that you maybe are, there are the unspoken sort of uh, things that you look at in someone's character and their behavior that really stuck with me. And, and, you know, it's, it's something I still want to strive to be, you know, I want to be better. And, and you're one of my role models in life. So, you know, take that as that, you man. will. That's but, awesome. But yeah, man, you, you've been. That's, yeah. that's very cool. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, that's man. fucking really awesome. Um, I have one for you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what would you say? Maybe some of the, maybe some profound things that you've heard while you've been doing this, this podcast or who you've spoken with that you think that'd be worth for me. Yeah, I think. I think you are pretty much aligned with uh, sort of the mindset stuff. I think, I think for me, the biggest takeaway so far has just been to keep continuing the process rather than stopping and judging it all the time and thinking like, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to work itself out? Which I tend to suffer through a lot. And I think you really won't know the outcome until you do it. You can think about it. You can contemplate it. And I love to think, I love to sit there for hours and just think about stuff, you know, and like yeah. make up all these grand ideas to talk about. But for me, it's really like everybody I talk to, the thing that I learn is nobody really knows what they're really trying to accomplish, even though they might have an idea about it. No one knows the future. And that's a fact. But if you act as if you believe in sacrifice for today and it's going to help you tomorrow and you put yourself in order for that day in, day out, you keep yourself oriented towards doing those things, then you you might not get where you thought you would, but you're going to get way further than you ever thought you could, you know, and sure. that's sort of been my, my like lesson so far in these series is, is just don't, don't, don't doubt yourself too much. Cause you, you might yeah. you're more powerful than you think there's more power in your hands than you realize. And if you can really find a way to orient this thing, man, there's nothing more powerful than a human being, you know, and yeah. that's, that's kind of been my biggest takeaway so far. And, and even from this conversation is, is, is that you've answered some of these things that I suffer through and go through. And yeah, it's good to see that like, you don't know all the answers either, but you still stay strong with what you believe and how you do them. And that's what it's about. It's not, it's not doubting yourself too much, you know, because there's no reason to. And um, yeah, right. I'd say that. That's right. Awesome. That's cool, great. Man. And yeah, let me, let me know whenever I'm always around. Let's connect when uh, life's back in real real estate. Hundred <laughs> percent. I can't wait for you to yeah. come to San Diego or move here. You I gotta can't come. wait, man. You always have a house here in San Diego, so 
keep that in mind whenever yeah. you do. Awesome. awesome. Appreciate Thanks, it. Scott. Likewise, man, up yeah. here. Of course, man. Hey, guys. Thank you again for checking out this episode. Remember, there's a video component that you can also watch, and you can keep up with me on YouTube at Blossom Media Studio or on Instagram at The Real Abinov. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.